It's time for Love Talk with the lovelies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about memories with some special guests. Stay tuned. Thanks, Mike. This is Evelyn Davis and, uh, and Gavin. I'm sorry. So glad you joined us today for Love Talk. We are in studio with some very special friends. We're going to be talking today about um, giving thanks and uh, being uh, available to be used by the Lord Jesus. And uh, the girls are out today, and guess who's on the mic? Mr. D. (laughs) Wake up over there, Mr. D. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Yes. Well, um, you got the script there. What are, what are we doing? <laughs> well, the this is a very important time in the life of Love Talk. We are celebrating this month 35 years of broadcasting from five different radio stations in the Austin market. And a part of that came about because you put up money. Honey. Yep. You yep, remember that? Uh, yep. I asked you what you wanted for your birthday. And uh, you said nothing. You had everything you needed. And uh, I couldn't believe that. But anyway, um, you came back about a week later and said, well, you asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I'd like to have my own radio program. And I said, what's that going to cost us? (laughs) And uh, you said you didn't know, but you'd find out. Well, I kind of got upset. It was one of those little episodes you go through when you begin to mature and lie. I had this uh, Dallas cowboy that gave me $5,000 because I was working uh, with Dr. Buddy Hicks at the time doing noontime noontime broadcasting. And uh, I just decided that was what we could do. And uh, so The $5,000 made you mature? Yeah, brought me right up okay. to, the, to the gate. So, that would mature me. You yeah. want to give me $5,000? <laughs> well, we are excited today but with the guests that we have. Uh, we, As we said, we uh, were uh, very faithful in broadcasting and bringing the uh, love talk to uh, fruition in this station. And so we know that um, uh, it's been a long time, and it's lasted a long time. And uh, kind of wondering what the secret is. And uh, when you look at it, what do you think the secret is, honey? The secret to what? To being here and talking about Jesus. Well, and the whip. <laughs> you're funny, you're funny. Well, it's just about following Jesus and teaching others come to know him and having fun that usually uh, we do with uh, the two love ladies, uh, which is um, Carrie Brinkader and, and Kathy Enderbrock. And this is a very special month for us in that we're celebrating 35 years. But it's also another thing that brings specialty to it, and that is that it is Pastoral Appreciation Month. What does that mean? Means we're going to get a say, say a thank you to sure, one of I our favorites, it. right? And you, you want to introduce him for us? Okay, uh, we've got Mike and and Sally Northern with us today, and uh, Mike uh, is very special at our church in that he's the man that if nobody else wants to do it, he'll take care of it. What and, else does uh, he do? Uh, well, he he I can't name it. There's too many things that he does that I can never name them all. Well, uh, he uh, he's uh, Mike is uh, the associate pastor of education and administration for First Baptist Church in Pflugerville uh, since 1998, 21 years. 
Is that right, Mike? That's correct. Okay. And uh, he's uh, actively involved in the as uh, le- the leader of this disaster relief uh, of the SBTC in Texas, and uh, goes to all these places where they have floods and tornadoes and so forth, and uh, takes a bunch of guys with him, and and uh, they they just do miracles. Uh, he's deeply involved in Operation Christmas Child which our church serves as the Area Collection Center. And um, uh, Mike and his wife, Sally, have two grown children, Kevin and Julie. And uh, we're happy to have you all today. Well, thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Miss Sally. We're glad you're here. You get pretty smile to the program today. And, Mike, bless your heart. You just run everywhere, and I know that you've got a lot on your plate. And uh, how... How old were you when you first came to realize that God had a call on your life, or how did that happen? Well, I was actually 16 when I actually surrendered to the ministry, but several years before that, I'd had an experience with breaking my hand, and and it was kind of a long haul to get it fixed. Hospitals were closed. There weren't enough orthopedic surgeons, so I determined that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, Ooh. and I wanted to do it uh, as a missionary, international mm-hmm. missionary overseas. And so that was kind of my focus for several years. And then at 16, uh, I, I finally made it public to our church that that was where I was going to head. Um, and that's really what I thought it was going to be. But the Lord had other things in mind. Uh-huh. Was it named Sally? No. no. <laughs> I made a change before I met her. Um, it was interesting. I When I first started college, I was on a music scholarship, but I was pre-med. Uh, and then the Lord began to cause me to have problems with some of the pre-med stuff. And uh, one day uh, someone walked up to me and says, our church wants you to come be their youth and music guy. Well, I didn't I didn't apply for anything. I didn't, it just came out of the clear blue. And so that was right after high school, and that's when I started my ministry in 1970. So I'm getting close to 50 years now. In well, the bless your heart. That we'll ring the bell for you. Where, <laughs> where did you go to school? Well, I started off at uh, at Lamar University of Beaumont, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were middle income, so they didn't have a lot of money. But I was able to get a scholarship and complete my uh, degree at Oklahoma Baptist University. So I got a degree in uh, Kind of a mixed degree in psychology, sociology, and counseling oh, with a minor in it. religious education. Then went on the seminary from there. So. How'd you meet Miss Sally? Well, I uh, went to seminary, and and uh, the, the second semester they uh, were going to send guys to different areas of Texas to help churches start discipleship training programs. Well, at that time I had a little longer hair, full beard. <laughs> love it. Uh, and so they sent me to Corpus because they thought they would accept me there better. Yeah. And while I was in Corpus, uh, I was working with the church doing that discipleship training. And First Baptist Corpus came over and said, listen, we're having a youth revival and a guy canceled on us. We understand you do music. Come do it. Well, I went and did that. And through that process, I met some uh, single adults there. And uh, one day I went to an ice cream place. And with the group and saw Sally and couldn't, that take, was, couldn't take my eyes off of her. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> How did you feel about that, Miss Sally? I was pretty hesitant because 
I'm a shy person. Uh-huh. Sitting here talking is difficult for me. And Mike is anything but shy. Yeah. And so he was he was um, assertive. <laughs> <laughs> and determined. He was persistent. <laughs> and I was equally determined not to give him my phone number. Uh-huh. And he spent the next week finding my phone number. <laughs> I love it. And so oh, he God. just persisted till he won me over. Oh, well. You know, it, it's just so special to. Uh, see you all every Sunday and know how the Lord has blessed and even through some troubling times like we all have and you know when you um, when you look at where we are right now in this nation um, the opportunities that young people have today uh, in in pursuing a career in ministry is not as easy as it was in in maybe younger in the younger days but you know we um, we have been at um, FBC, what, 17 years, honey? Is Something that like that. Something? I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly the date that we went there. And I met you before we uh, came to uh, realize that it was time for us to get involved with our grandchildren because uh, that's where they were going. And um, one of the things that um, that we were impressed with so much uh, coming from a big church and then starting, uh, well, actually, we helped start 12 churches in the Austin mar- market. And that that took a lot of time, a lot of energy, and we just came to that point where we wanted to rest. And so, <laughs> so what did we do? We found our way uh, to First Baptist in Flukerville. And, you know, it's been one of the most blessed things in our life as we have been there and been able to just recover and do some other things and so you, you know, blessed us too we well glad to have you there well thank you i appreciate that but we the first time i sat across the table from you was in a meeting do you remember what that meeting was i'm sorry i don't Operation Christmas Child. I popped my feet and pumped because that has been one of the most exciting things through the years that Van and I have been able to participate in. And uh, I always think back to the day that we had, and and you asked me what I did, and I said, well, I pray a lot. You said, well, you want to be the pray person? And I said, well, I can try that. You know, I'm always adventurous. But one of the things that's so exciting is as we um, uh, have grown uh, in the town of Louisville, last year, there was a survey that came out and said that it was the fastest growing city in the nation next to a big city. And when we moved here, uh, moved to Austin in 1969, uh, we had an opportunity to go to the Pflugerville School District. But because our son Danny, he's dyslexic, uh, didn't, there was nothing there to um, provide for his needs. We uh, built a house off of uh, Breaker Lane and that creek that ran through there. And um, we um, began to settle down from a country life. We had a ranch before we moved to Austin and uh, cows and horses. And it was a major thing for us. Uh, and it felt like when we found First Baptist Church in Pflugerville, we were back home. 
I felt that way, and I know Van did. And so it's been really great and exciting for us. And so, but let's talk a little bit, uh, Mike, about the development that the Lord Jesus has brought to the city. And uh, uh, there are a lot of things that, as people look at a church, uh, are looking for. Uh, and a lot of things that they miss sometimes because the staff or the other people are not real uh, cooperative. And so as we look uh, today at what it is that God called you to Pflugerville for, uh, we're going to find some exciting things to talk about. So you'll want to stay with us. This is Evelyn with Love Talk, and we'll be back right after this. Thank you, Gavin. This is Evelyn, and we are here for Love Talk, and we have some very special guests with us today. Mr. Van Davison is sitting in the big chair, and we have Mike and Sally uh, from First Baptist Church in Pflugerville. And Mike, you know, we got we talked about how it is that you met Miss pretty over here and how the Lord had called on you or to begin to work with young people. But we want to talk about uh, where you are right now and what God is doing in your heart in the heart of a lot of people. Paint us a picture of Pflugerville and what it was like at First Baptist when you came. Well, First Baptist was beginning to grow because Pflugerville at that time was basically a bedroom community, people that were leaving Austin to come to our school district. And in, for many years, it was mainly uh, a bedroom community, with a lot of houses, a lot of rooftops. In fact, the taxes were pretty bad because they had no, they didn't have a lot of commercial to get their, their sales tax from. So the potential was there. And uh, the first thing I remember thinking about First Baptist was, you know, they are, they are, set they're poised to explode and grow mm-hmm. forth but they really needed uh, an identity in the community uh, and they needed to get more involved in mission work so we set about uh, doing projects that drew these people together uh, with meaningful service uh, doing more than just giving mission dollars uh, actually doing mission work and we had some fantastic projects, um, and then I said, okay, it's time to get involved in Operation Christmas Child. Nobody in Austin was doing it. So we got involved with that, and before we knew it, we had hundreds of churches bringing their shoeboxes mm-hmm. into Little Pflugerville, and all of a sudden they knew where First Baptist Church was. We were the best-kept secret in town. I mean, we had the best music program. We had the best... Uh, preaching pastor uh, that you'll find, and uh, we we were growing, but we we still felt like a small church, a community, and and we've tried to maintain that over the years. So that big building, don't let it scare you. Uh, we're just a little small group of people that love each other and try to be real friendly. Uh, but then God calls us to also step into standing up against uh, moral issues that were happening in our community. And the first one, big one, we got involved with when they tried to bring a racetrack to Pflugerville, horse racetrack. And that woke up the community, and uh, things began to happen. And uh, I think the Lord used that to start bringing people to Pflugerville. They they wanted a family area. They wanted something safe for their kids. And uh, so God just began to bless us. And then more churches began to move in. 
Well, you know, that's the thing that's exciting is when you see people begin to look out at the need of their community and begin to build a base from which they can be uh, influenced, uh, where they could influence others. And I think that is one of the, the greatest things about the little city of Pflugerville. It's no longer a little city. You know, when they put that freeway through on the other side, uh, it's like downtown Austin when you travel in that particular way. Well, east of uh, uh, 130 Tow Road, uh, the growth is just unbelievable. We have two high schools east of 130 now. And they're building thousands of houses. We live six or eight miles outside of town, but it's on to- almost on top of us now. What so, do we have in the way of facilities now? At, at First Baptist Pflugerville, of course, we have our what we call our worship center, a big main building where we all gather together for mm-hmm. praise and worship. Behind it is our previous worship center. And across the street is our old facilities. There wasn't enough land there to continually grow there. So over there, we have mainly our facilities for our children, our youth, and our preschoolers and bed babies on Sunday mornings. Uh, we actually actually have two other churches that meet in our building on Sunday morning, too, a, a Hispanic-speaking mm-hmm. church. They're not all from Mexico, but they're from any country that speaks Spanish. And then we have a, a, another African-American church, startup church, uh, but he's really trying to, his base is really is trying to reach not just African Americans, but anyone who feel like they, they want to be part of his his church. And uh, so we've got a lot of things going on on Sunday morning. Yeah, I know we have. And a lot of change has come about in the last, what, four or five months? Well, about a year, two years ago, Sally, I think we we realized that we had two worship services and two Sunday schools. It was almost like two different churches that never interacted, never saw each other. So we decided that we would give people their separate music programs. We had the building situated so we could do that. And then after the music's over, we all come back to the worship center for the preaching and the baptisms and the child dedications and people making decisions for Christ. So it's really made a big difference. And I said it wouldn't work, Mike. <laughs> and boy, right? was I wrong. Well, you're a big man to say that, man. <laughs> I wasn't real sure about it either. And uh, Where did that idea come from? Well, pastor, Who developed that? The pastor, I think, brought it up to the staff, and we had talked about it. It was very challenging because we had to upgrade some buildings. We had to go to one Sunday school, uh, which really concerned me because that leaves us with no space to grow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can probably add a few children's classes, but adult classes, uh, I'm going to get pretty creative unless we build another building, which financially we're not in position to do that. So, But the rewards of it, uh, I think, have uh, overcome some of the negatives. So there are still a few people that, that are just concerned about a few mm-hmm. things. But I think they like being all together for the preaching. What about yes. you, Mr. V? Oh, I do. I, I love it. Um, whenever we go in there, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, frankly, I can't stand that music that they have in there at the first part of the deal. <laughs> but I like many. the old-timey hymns that we get over in our our section. Yes. But then uh, the, the kids enjoy it, and uh, they're 
And they just have a ball in there. Well, I got to tell you that in the Austin area, there's probably not many churches that still have a full orchestra and full choir. Right. Uh, and they sing hymns, but they sing some some choruses also. Yeah. And so we're able to give what a certain segment of people need, uh, but we also are able to give the more contemporary. Now we're. We're not probably on the the far cutting edge that some churches are with with contemporary. It's probably more middle ground contemporary, wouldn't you agree, Sally? Uh, they don't see head shakes on radio, <laughs> uh, and uh, so you, you, we uniquely can provide that. And and I, it's brought some people to our church who were searching for for something that their church they were part of. And some of these people lived in Pflugerville all these years and were driving past us. But now we are able to provide things that they used to have to go somewhere else to buy. Well, it is very stately. Uh, it is clean. It's uh, it's well laid out. Um, it is un- unbelievable that you were able, first of all, to have a concept uh, of how to meet the needs of two people or two kinds of people that don't stand together in regard to music, um, that that would work as well it's worked. I'm sure there, you know, there's always in the church the grumps, you know, it is, that's just part of it. Uh, but it is unbelievable that the attendance has held for both of those services. Yes, ma'am, it is. And, and we're not growing as fast as we used to grow, but... There's dozens of churches in Pflugerville. At one time, we were one of the only evangelical churches there. Uh, I calculated uh, not several years back that at that time, we were about about 25% of the population was members of First Baptist really? Pflugerville. But that's we were much smaller than the town was, mm-hmm. and there wasn't really any other churches. So, But there's some other good churches uh, out there now that are closer to where people's homes are. Uh, so they get they can go to school in the community where they live, the neighborhood they that live in. That is and a city as well to help them. Yes. Well, you know, it's exciting to know that God has a plan, and how it is that we, when we have a need, we can know that He will supply all our needs according to His mercy and His grace. And I think He's done that. But you know, one of the things that that had divides people, and then another thing, it brings them together, is music. And I know, Miss Sally, that's what you do. You love music. And, Mike, you all have a quartet. Tell me about your quartet. Well, it's called Heir to the Throne, A-I-R-E. It's a musical term. But it's we tried to focus on that it's a, we're singing to the glory of the Lord. In fact, most of our songs, the subject matter is about heaven, mm-hmm. and getting to heaven, and how you get to heaven. And uh, we started with... Uh, five groups that were members of our church about to 20 years ago. Uh, we've had a couple of changes. One one member passed away. Another one moved away. And, but God raised up a couple of new guys in our... So we're still singing together. Uh, we don't do a lot of touring. We don't do a lot of singing in a lot of places because all the guys still have full-time jobs. If the, do- if the Lord opens that door, we would. We do have a website, at3.org. Uh, we do have three CDs working on our fourth. But uh, God, uh, people seem to enjoy hearing us sing. Oh, you know, and it, uh, I think that is the one music um, situation that both sides like. 
uh, I think young people like the quartet and hearing that. And it's like living in mom and dad's time. But then you have the mom and dad living there. And I love it. I think it's just so special. Uh, we, um, we, we know that music is a viable part of our worship, Mike. Uh, tell me how the big picture is and how the children's ministry, the youth ministry, how all of that comes together. Well, our youth, uh, which I would consider 7th through 12th grade, uh, have their own worship experience as their opening before they go into their small group Bible study times. And uh, it's pretty energetic. It's pretty loud. Uh, the words are on the screen. They can read the words. God's message comes through. There's no doubt about what's being said when they're singing. And 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 the youth, our youth, are so energized to share the gospel with people in our community. I want uh, us to internationally. talk about that, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, because it it is really evident in our church that the youth have got a real handle on grace. Uh, I think we need to take our break. Let's see that, Gavin, and come back. I want you to paint us a picture of what what First Baptist Church in Fluville offers youth today, right after this. Stay with us. Thank you, Gavin. In studio today, we have Reverend Mike and, and First Lady Miss Sally, and we are talking about First Baptist Church in Pflugerville and what God has done in a small city that was uh, way, way back there into the hills of wheat and corn and all of the, the uh, things that the people brought to this nation and to this country when, when they come to, to Central Texas. Uh, Mike, you know, we um, we talked about music. We've talked about uh, your heir to the throne uh, and the format for that. Uh, we we know that there is a great need in our church for uh, counseling for uh, young women and men sometimes that that have issues that they need um, help with. Uh, Miss Sally, I know that you teach a, a single women's class. Yes, I do. They're not all necessarily single. Many of them are divorced or single moms. Some of them are married, but their husbands don't want to come. So they don't feel comfortable in a singles class, but neither do they feel comfortable. How many are you teaching at this point? I normally have 9 to 10 on average, but I had 17 this last Sunday. Isn't that exciting? It really is, and it's a it's a sad statistic that we're increasing in numbers in single moms. It's different than the singles ministry, again, because they're not necessarily mm-hmm. wanting to be in that atmosphere, but neither do they want to be in a couples class. So just have a wonderful group of women that really love each other and support each other. Well, they not only want to be ministered to themselves, but they want their children ministered to. Mm-hmm. And that's why our, our youth ministry and then our children's ministry, which is, of course, birth to sixth grade, we've really tried to build that up to where uh, their children really find maybe some things that they're not getting at home because maybe dad's not around. Right. Find that they have a loving heavenly father and teach them about Jesus. And uh, so, you know, that helps support that element that Sally is able to teach. And and uh, the ladies come, and they tell their friends, and they come. And, and they're they're quite a community together. They, they lean on each other. They support each other. Uh, and Sally just kind of stands back and keeps them pointing in the right direction. You know, that is so uh, necessary today because where do you go when your heart's broken? Mm-hmm. 
if you don't go to the Lord Jesus. But you have to have a guide. You know, you just don't wake it up and, and, and it's there. Uh, there are so many other atmospheres on uh, on the table for uh, Pflugerville. You serve as a chaplain on on the police department. Is that my my? Tell yes, me a little bit about how our, how you are able to minister in that regard. Well, our police department, along with the city, is growing rapidly. But with our new police chief uh, has a desire for our police department to be the best in the nation, and I have no doubt she'll get there. And one of the things that you realize is that policemen deal with a lot of ugly things, a lot of things that bother them, and they have to take that home. We don't really want them to take it home. We want them to have an opportunity to talk it through, get it out of their their front frontal lobe memory and store it for experience, but not redream it and relive it, Not especially not get to PTSD. So we started chaplains there. So they knew they had somebody that they could come talk to confidentially. We have to follow the same confidentiality rules that the police department set up. Uh, we cannot report to their command staff. Uh, but yet command staff, if they see one of their officers struggling, they call us. So for many of those men who are not involved in a church anywhere, or they can't because of their, their schedule being on duty, uh, we become their ministers. Sometimes we marry them. Sometimes we, sometimes we go to their funeral, their funerals or their family's funerals. Uh, we minister to their families as a whole best we can and encourage them and give them an opportunity just to talk it through and get back on track to do what they're trained to do. Well, you know, that is a very special need uh, that cannot be filled just by, you know, a neighbor coming and saying, bringing you a sack of biscuits or something. It's the, the psychology of that and the tenderness of heart sometimes and the need for the love of the Lord Jesus is so big that it's hard to uh, to get over that mountain of fear and all those things that go with it. Uh, what if, uh, You do a lot of kick, uh, cooking, Mike. <laughs> Let's just talk about cooking on the premises. Well, you know, I don't really do the cooking. I kind of lead the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and eat the cooking. Yeah, right? our disaster relief program, Southern Baptist of Texas, we have all kinds of units, trailers full of equipment. Some of them are kitchens. Some are for mud out. Some are for child care. Some are for chaplains. And so we've had the opportunity twice to set up a kitchen at our church when the flooding has happened around in the Austin area. So we're central. So we set that kitchen up. It can do 20,000 meals a day. 20,000? It's not chef meals. It's dumping heat. But it's nourishment for people who need something to eat while they're waiting to get back into their homes. And uh, so we were able to rally our volunteers and cook that. Red, we worked real close with Red Cross and Salvation Army. Uh, we cook the food. They deliver the food. We get to go with them to the deliveries from time to time to actually meet the people. We just have to trust the Lord is taking care of those people. Sometimes we, feed the, we, we provide the food, but we never see them. Mm-hmm. So we just have to pray for them. So the the Lord does great. And then we've done this. This trailer has been all over. When the Bastrop fires happened, uh, it was there for six months. And our mud-out chainsaw teams uh, helped 1,500 families clear off their lots after that fire over a six-month period. It's not just our church, but all the Southern yeah. Baptist uh, uh, disaster relief people in the state of Texas were part of that. You know, uh, Van and I, when we lived in Houston, North Houston, uh, there was a... Storm came through, and I don't remember what the name Carla. of it. Hmm? 
Hurricane Carla. Carla. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely surrounded us like we were living on top of a lake floating. And we had never experienced anything like that. Mm. Uh, so we di and we didn't have anybody to come to help us. My, you know, my parents did, but it was. I mean, the snakes were climbing in the window. The, during storm times, there is so much fear of what's going to happen next. And I know you all do a wonderful job, and that that one of the reasons that we wanted to have you in today for us to talk about this because October, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. All month long, churches give say a thank you. But people who don't go to church don't understand the value that comes to a family uh, who become aligned with, with a group like you have in your class, Sally, Mike, like you work with all the time. And so, you know, it gives them an opportunity to be used in an area where they have, you know, a specialty or something. Well, I can say uh, about pastor appreciation, uh, although I, I welcome it and, I, and I'm grateful that people show appreciation, uh, for, for you folks out there that are part of churches, Show some appreciation. Say some things to your pastor. We're human like anyone else, and we can get beat down, and life can beat us up. Our children can have problems and struggles and our family members and all sorts of things. And, and sometimes they just need for you to give them a pat on the back and say thank you for leading us. I don't always agree with you, but thank you for leading us. Thank you being, for being open to listen to us. Thank you for being there to minister to us when we're going through struggles. And uh, you need to do that not only in October, Pastor Appreciation. Do it on a regular basis. You it know, I, I tell our preacher all the time that, you know, before we came there, we've had preachers and we've had pastors, but we never had a combination before. Yes, and we got them in him. And, uh, and we just look forward to Sundays. Well, I, I, I would totally agree with that. He's, you know, the church is as important to a family as a hospital unit is. Uh, because spiritual needs and spiritual broken, brokenness is so devastating to families today. And, you know, when you look at, at a church, and especially one like FBC in Pflugerville, it's, it's for the wounded and the weary people. You know, they're looking for someone to help them. And, Mike, you know, I know that um, sometimes uh, people get the wrong idea about church. Uh, about a Sunday school class, uh, and they build up these bridges where you can't cross them. But that is one thing that I've observed in First Baptist Church in Louisville. I've not seen any of that in the 17 years we've been there. And I want to thank you for that because thank I know you. that you're ever on, 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 on site and ever at work, you know, helping us really be what it is that, that we want to be. And, if you know, a church is a hospital for the wounded and the weird ones and a place where they can be loved and built up with hope. What is hope for, well, a, for, a, for a person that's not established in, uh, in a relationship with Jesus Christ? I think hope is finding, finding out who you are, identifying with your Creator, who, by the way, loves you. Uh, we have sin in our life that can separate mm -hmm. us that does separate us from God and his love. But Jesus came to pay the price for that sin that we have and gives us the way, gives us the bridge, the path to get to God. So 
Man, it's very simple. Just admit that you know that you're separated from God and believe that Jesus paved the way for you. And then just confess. Say it with your mouth. Jesus, I need you. I need your way. I know I can't do it on my own. I can't do it through works. Uh, I can't do it through anything else but you uh, and the free gift that you gave me. And so you just pray and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me uh, to be the person you want me to be. Let me be. I want to be your servant. It's that simple. You know, and it's it's lasting. It doesn't come, and next week it changes. In a relationship with Jesus Christ, he gives us light for every day and and equipment for the things that we need. It's not light. You have a, a, a store you can go buy those things from. But one of the things that, that when we talk about the qualities or characteristic of a godly leader, the first thing has to be consistent. Leadership is being before doing. Do you? Do you? I would agree with that. Uh, I. It's obvious that people watch me and my family uh, all the time, uh, and I think they learn that we're not perfect. <laughs> And that our children make mistakes like their children make mistakes. Sometimes I think that's a point of identity. But I can't ask people. I've always said this in my ministry. I'm not going to ask people to do anything I don't do myself. So if I ask them to go out on a deployment of a disaster relief, I'm going to go also. Well, we are talking today with a pastor from First Baptist Church in Pflugerville, Texas, and talking about how it is that God calls us to be ministers of mercy and goodness and grace and to be consistent in our leadership and in, in doing the things that we need to do. We have one more segment, uh, Van, and uh, we need to take our break and hear from some of those people that pay for us to be here and that are, can provide help for you if you give them a call. So, Gavin, would you take care of that, please? Thank you, Gavin, and thank you to all those sponsors who make it possible for us to be here. And in studio today is Mr. D himself. We're glad to have you, Van. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We, uh, The ladies, the love ladies, are working hard this week to prepare for the, our uh, 35th anniversary of doing Love Talk in the Austin market. And Christian uh, Talk... Uh, Normie does not last longer than three or four years with any one group. But we, I am so pitiful at talking that we have two bright young women that are just excellent in their presentation. And we're going to be live on Saturday to celebrate 35 years of doing this in the Austin market. Are you going to help us? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to depend on you. Well, today we have in studio our pastor, co-pastor at First Baptist, uh, First Baptist Church in Pflugerville, and we're talking about family needs today, the need of an individual heart to come to know the love and the passion and the security of, of knowing the Lord Jesus and living in a way that would make a difference in, in the lives of our family. And we, we have Mike that uh, we've been talking to. Mike, let's us talk about what the greatest need for youth is today. We've talked a little bit about it, but it is different than when you and I grew up, right? Yes, yes ma'am. No, no doubt about that. So the biggest thing I got in trouble from was chewing gum in class. <laughs> you know, these kids, uh, it's being on their cell phone. I'm not sure what it is. but it's The only sure pal I, I ever got was because I have a, a speech impediment. I've had it all my life. And, and we had the, uh, oral reading, and uh, it had the word refrigerator in it. And I couldn't say refrigerator. And the teacher told me three times, Evelyn, what is that word? 
and I, I wouldn't even try. And so she finally gave me two licks. Two licks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they don't do that anymore. Well, I, I, I know our, our young people today, we've all searched for meaning in our life, but this generation, they want to be something of worth. They want to know they're doing something of worth. So our youth minister, Matt Downing, tries to give these young people uh, a sense of belonging where maybe they they don't fit in at school or they're just going through the paces with groups that they're around. But they can be genuine and encouraging to one another when they're there. They they learn how to share their faith in Christ with other people. Last weekend, they went door-to-door asking for food for our food pantry, but use that as an opportunity to ask people if there was anything they could pray with them about, hoping for an opportunity to share with them about the love of Christ and how he, he changes us and gives us eternal life. And so we have many opportunities for them to do that here locally, uh, somewhere in, in the United States once a summer, and, and they've even gone on one international trip. And some of our youth have grown up, and they go to our orphanage that we have in Uganda. Uh, actually, it's a children's home now. And they continue to serve. So we, we set a, a pattern in their young adult life that they find meaning and worth from, and it translates into whatever they go into in life, whether it's being a, a minister or whether it's being a mother or a, a dad working at a job or, or you know, a doctor profession. They always bring with them what they were taught about not only just needing Jesus himself, but need, knowing that other people need to hear about Jesus. So we give them a, a fun, inspirational time when they're at church, giving them something to be part of, include them in the church activities that, that are there. And our church is very, very supportive of, of the youth and all the things that they do. Well, you know, it takes commitment uh, for young people today to be involved in those things that will bless their life. Uh, and it is so hard to find a church where there is a specialized program like we have at First Baptist in Pluterville. And when I, you know, I, I think back to when Van and I were in high school and, and what we did on Saturday afternoon, we went soul-saving with our preacher. And, and there was one day that we went uh, to this lady's house and shared the gospel with her and just had a, we were there about 30 minutes and, when we got ready to leave, uh, the pastor asked her, said, well, do you have any other questions? She said, yeah, I want to know, do you have false teeth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you remember, honey? Yeah. yeah. I, and I laughed. And I went out on the porch where the pastor didn't laugh and Van didn't laugh. But I went out there and I laughed till I cried. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, it, we were on site, inside of what it was that the Lord was building in our hearts. And, you know, I didn't, I, I, we we just kind of were quiet when we would go to the pastor, and he'd do all the talking. But, you know, it's different today. Mm-hmm. I, it's different because there's so many act, ways that we access those things that would we think would make our life better when faith and hope and goodness and kindness are the prerequisites for a relationship. You know, and it's not just our youth and children here in America, but it's it's everywhere in the world. And so that's why we value Operation Christmas Child so much. Now, Operation Christmas Child is is sponsored by Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. 
And they do many, many ministries besides Operation Christmas Child. It's just the biggest. But it's taking a shoebox and filling it up with different items uh, for children all over the world. Sometimes it's the only gift these children will get. Uh, sometimes it's things that they do not have, toothbrush, toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And you can go to SamaritansPurse.org and read about how you can become involved with that and uh, how you get a box and what you should put in it and what you shouldn't. But I've been there when children have gotten their boxes. And the sense of worth and the smile that they have when they open those boxes and they see what's in there, and even when we have to explain to them what a slinky is and how to use it, mm-hmm. uh, it just brings something to them. And they know that somebody loved them enough to do that. And then we, can, then we easily can say to them in their language, God loves you. And Jesus wants to be your special friend. Will you invite him into your heart? It's amazing what God does with a simple shoebox. We recently had a uh, a speaker at our church who told us about getting a box as a child. Mm-hmm. And because of that, his his whole community came to know the Lord. In fact, part of his community was controlled by a witch doctor. Yeah. And that man came to know the Lord because of what he saw in this young man and his family's life. It all started with his shoebox. And it changed that community. So the man wanted to be baptized. So uh, when they showed up to baptize him, he brought hundreds of people with him that he had influence with as a witch doctor. But now he had influence telling them about Jesus. And it just changed that little town in Togo, Africa. Togo, Africa. It It changed that whole nation. You know, when you look at what God does through Operation Christmas Child or through any of the Southern Baptist ministries that, that we have or, you know, uh, have an opportunity to go to the to wherever. You wherever know, they go, yes. Right? Several years ago, we had a, a young lady that uh, was a teenager that had been adopted. Uh, she was from Russia, as I yes, remember sir. it. That's correct. And uh, she was adopted by an American family. And she told us, she came to our church and, and told us about getting a shoebox and what it meant to her. Oh, and yeah. she said that she she was sharing a toothbrush with five other children. And, boy, you talk about something that ripped my heart out. Oh, man. Uh, and from then on, in my shoebox, I, I, I put a, a soccer ball deflated with a pump in there. And I figured that's international. Everybody yeah. knows about soccer. And uh, and the the next thing I put in there is a toothbrush, toothbrush. <laughs> and, and a few shoes, a school supplies, and uh, they get something that way that that they can play with and enjoy, but they also get some things that they can use. Well, even if you're not a believer, you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, you can still do a shoebox uh, because Amen. you're doing it for a child, and and the meaning it, it, it is to those children. They they hang on to those things for years and years and and pass it down to their brothers and sisters. And it, it's amazing uh, what God does to a simple shoebox. Please go to SamaritansFirst.org and read about it. You can bring your shoeboxes to First Baptist Pflugerville uh, the week before Thanksgiving, and we'll get it on the truck and get it sent to wherever it, it's going to go, like a, over 100 different countries. You know, as it goes to all these countries, uh, Mike, uh, there are those in our nation today and in this city of of Austin, Texas, that do not know that God has a plan of love for them. Give us the the steps that a person goes through to come to know the reality of the love of Christ. 
Well, first you need to know that, that God loves you, but it's hard to receive all that love from him because there are things we do wrong that he does not agree but doesn't like. We call it sin. So you have to find a way to take care of that sin problem. Jesus did that for you already. He was hung on the cross, died, rose on the third day, lives today, and he paid the price that God demands for sin that separates us from him. So all you need to do is just believe that Jesus did that for you. Pray and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me like you. Thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for giving me eternal life uh, with Jesus and, and God in heaven. And you're in. You have Jesus as your personal Savior. And then you begin to learn about him and try to become more like him. So, audience, I invite you to do that. If you've never done that, just stop right now and pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior so that you can have the full connection with God and receive the full love and plan he has for you. And God will begin to change you like you've never imagined before. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Miss Sally. This has been wonderful. We, You know, we've just hopped, skipped and hopped, skipped over a lot of different things today. But the answer to the life of love is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Give us a phone number or a number where they might contact you, Mike. Well, our church office phone number is 512-251-3052. And just ask the receptionist to put you through to my assistant, Karen. And we'll see if there's any way we can answer your questions, uh, point you in the right direction, tell, tell you about our church if you're looking for a church home, or talk to you more about how to receive Christ into your life. And that's what First Baptist Church is all about is, is uh, loving people in a big way and living it out boldly so people know that Jesus is the difference in our life. He does make a difference, and we pray that uh, as you have heard us talk about that today, you can get in touch with us at 512-249-6535, or you can go to the web and, and pull up the bridge. Uh, we are 101.1, and then uh, that is FM. And uh, here's... Some of the best music that's in word that you'll hear anywhere today is this station, The Bridge, presents the love of the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. We'll talk with you again next week. Have a wonderful week as you love talk and love walk with Jesus.